and welcome to another episode of the Roach Coach Podcast, the journey to create the new metal canon. My name is Lauren Kozlowski. With me, as always, the Indigo Angel, Jennifer Bloomer. Hello. And the original Roach Rider, Mr. Matt Nas. Keep it rolling, baby. There we go. Today we enter week two of the most popular theme month we've ever had, <laughs> producer spotlight, Ross Robinson, listening to albums that our boy, The Angel, has produced that are not new metal, just to see what he is up to. And the streets are talking, and they are saying, we love it. We can't get enough of it. Right. We are definitely not going to skip this month. We are going to listen to these episodes twice, three times. We are loving it. Yeah. Well, a lot of people were. <laughs> Everybody loves it. A couple people were like, ah, I might have to duck out. Hey, everybody needs a smoke break. Look, I get it. There have been times I've wanted to duck out. <laughs> I keep showing up. I keep showing up to work. <laughs> Where are you? <laughs> How many disturbed albums do we have to do? Uh, no, I, I think if the worst we get is, I might sit this month out because this isn't for me, then we're probably in like the the large scope of internet people. We're doing great. <laughs> we're doing <Yeah>. great. <laughs> we're doing very good. Uh, so yes, yeah, so for week two of uh, this uh, fantastic month, we are listening to the Blood Brothers and their album, Burn, Piano Island Burn. We talk all about that. But first, we have got to talk about who's on other podcasts. Who's on other podcasts? Who is? And that person would be me. <laughs> oh, Lauren. You uh, delightful minx, you. I was all over the place, you guys. First, I was over on Talk To Me, hanging out with our boy, Josh Toomey, talking about corn, talking about drummers. And let me tell you, I was very, very tired when I did that podcast, and I really thought I sounded foolish. But, Jenny, you said I sounded just fine, and I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. You did a good job. Thank you. Uh, so go over and check that out. That is the episode with David I really enjoyed uh, your mm-hmm. use of yeah. the term gated drums. Listen, <laughs> I like my drums one way, and it's gated, okay? Gated, baby. <laughs> I only I don't like them any other way. And then... Uh, have to give a shout out to an OG Roach rider, my good friend Chris Gelati, sent a tweet over to the Roach Coach Twitter saying, Hey, you guys need to check out the best show with Tom Sharpling because a they're talking new long metal. standing podcast, long standing, long running show. And they were indeed doing an episode where they were talking about new metal, they were having people call in give their top 10 new metal bands i had no idea what was going on i was actually doing the edit for one of our shows when this went up so i just called in and i'd swear to god i the guy answered the phone he goes best show and i said yeah i my friend told me you guys are talking about new metal and then i should call and he's like hold on a second and then i just sat in limbo for a second and then they put me on and then i just talked until they had me go away you had a pretty damn good segment you went three to five minutes i kept waiting for him to tell him bye-bye and he kept letting me go and he kept asking me questions and if you haven't heard it um basically they were asking for everybody's top 10 new metal bands and i compiled a list because this is a group effort on this show i kept in mind everybody when i'm creating this list because the guy said hey 
your name of your show because he asked us to pump the you know promote the show he said the name of your show is roach coach you don't have papa roach in your list and i said hey my co-host not on board with the papa roach just me couldn't put him in the top 10 but uh there were some maniacs calling into the show with bands that would never ever be new metal my chemical romance afi tom waits what how dare they AFI. AFI. <laughs> that is I know, insulting. Right? Upsetting all around. But uh, it was very fun to be on that show. It was also very fun just to hear all these people call in with their with their new metal takes. And it all started because a caller called in and it just sort of riffed over to Limp Biscuit and then he just started playing him Limp Biscuit songs and asking him how pumped it made him. The answer? Very pumped. Uh, so go over and check that out. And you also, are in some, the last fifteen minutes of the show. Yes, the show it's is like a two three hours. <laughs> it's a two and a half hour show. I'm in the last fifteen minutes, so just be aware of that. Uh, you uh, know what we should do? Yeah. And what by, should we do? By we, I mean I'm going to do half of the work, and you're going to do the other half. Okay. I'm going to cut your section out. Okay. And we're going to put it up on Facebook. Okay. All right. Boom. Done. Boom. Done. Guys, we also got to talk about who's tweeting. Who's tweeting? Who is? So, uh, <laughs> Jenny. Jenny. That was a what tiny we got? little tweeting. Sorry. Uh, people are texting me Bachelor spoilers right now. Oh, no. I'm trying to ignore it, but I'll be honest. It's hard. Anyway, <laughs> who's tweeting? Uh, we did a Lollipop Lost Kill episode. Remember? I do. 2018? Yeah, that was, was a long time ago. Uh, and over on Facebook, Sweet Angel Garrett Fuller says, Lauren talking about Marilyn Manson deleting pages of the Bible off his Kindle was killing me. Man, this band blows. <laughs> <laughs> Duke Cannon said, No history with this one other than thinking that this is a band name that Crazy Town decides not to go with. Mm. <sighs> Another right blazing on. take. That's right yeah. on. Jason Andrew Goodman says, now this band's going to get back together and you're all going to be sitting there like, my God, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> Not wrong. No. Alan Smock said, the goth butt dive vocals definitely have an acid bath feel to them. If you want creepy music that holds up, listen to Pagan Terrorism Tactics. Okay. And he said, I just realized there was a missed opportunity to call this going to the acid bathhouse. Oh, hello. Uh, yeah, all right. I I'm not deep enough with acid bath to have drawn that comparison, but no. I believe you, Alan. Uh, Ryan Ruzik said I saw them open up for Cold Chamber around 2002. They came out to the lollipop song from The Wizard of Oz and were dressed like the lollipop kids. It was just one big circle pit. I was intoxicated in 17, so I could be wrong, but I remember them being awesome live. Memory could deceive me though. I always got strong taproot vibes from the clean vocals. Oh, yeah. I also got my head stepped on during Cold Chamber set. So take my memory with an extreme grain of salt. <laughs> and I love the visual that I get from an extreme grain of salt. Extreme grain of salt. <laughs> that is an extreme grain of salt. Thank you very much, Ryan. Uh, Nick Fenton said, there's so much going on in this app. Great catch by Matt at the start. I was very put off by Lauren skipping his catchphrase. My apologies. It'll never happen again. This album is both bonkers and interesting. Put that one on the album cover. 
<laughs> That's on the sticker. Man, reissue this album this with a bonkers. Is and interesting. Just make sure you have a set street date. That's all I ask. Uh, but the big bomb dropped by Jenny is by far the most insane thing I've ever heard. She's lucky she's still alive. Jenny, hmm. do you feel you that the, uh, that episode is where you told us about um, the member of a band that you dated writing a song about you? Oh yes, yes, yes. Okay, yes. I mean, that to be honest, no, I don't feel. I mean, <laughs> I don't feel lucky to be alive. That's <laughs> <laughs> what I was going to say. Wow. Whoa. All of a sudden, all the lights went off in the house. Um, oh, my gosh. Guys, <laughs> we need to talk. <laughs> Holy shit. It's the oh. <laughs> I've been dead this whole time, and I'm pretty pissed that you haven't noticed. <laughs> That's why she won't watch the videos. Her, or the, they I, don't, she has no I eyeballs for the information. <laughs> I'm literally rotting to death. <laughs> Please pay attention to me. <laughs> Living dead, girl. Uh um, Nick Fenton also says he seconds the Boba Flex apologize for nothing recommendation. We got to get back to some good albums. <laughs> Always like to hear that. Yeah. Uh, maybe another <laughs> dope episode or head PE's next album, System of a Down. Something good, please. Something good's always around the corner. We're doing a whole app on Blood Brothers, man. <laughs> so around the corner. <laughs> so around the corner. There's going to be a good episode sometime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's Eventually. happening. Uh, Daniel Terry says to me, this just sounds like bad disturbed. Okay. There you go. Uh, Cameron Lamant said Twisted is way more new metal than ICP. There's also a big rift between them and Psychopathic right now. And he has a jersey we can borrow. Jamie Madrox gave it to him at an album signing at Rock of Ages on their Green Book tour. He felt bad because I had a limited release CD to get signed and it snapped while I was in line. They are great to their fans. Hashtag Juggalo Hundo. Of course, this is in reference to Juggalo Hundo, the Hundo Never Dundo, in which if we get 200 reviews on iTunes, we will do a Twisted episode. So around the corner, there will be a good album. <laughs> That's right. Around and, the corner. And hot news in the, on the Twisted front, because I have Sirius XM for some reason in my car. Um, they're going to catch up with me someday and cancel it, but they haven't yet. Mm. Ooh. Um, uh, on Shade 45, the Rude Jude show, tw- and for everybody who does not know who Rude Jude is. How could you not know? Rude Jude. I mean, he's like one of the most popular guys. From it's a guide, Jones, right? Circa 1996. And also, coincidentally, from this area. He is from this area. He used to wash the windows at the record store I worked at. That is not a joke. And wow. then he, he got on the Jenny Jones show as like the truth talking bad boy. Oh, yeah. He was rude Jude. And now he's on Shade 45 in the afternoon. And he had a big interview with the guys from Twisted. And they were talking about their beef with ICP. And, but, okay. But still spouting juggalo love. Like still loving the family, love the fans, and wanting to take care of them. But boys and girls, I heard them say this thing that has stuck with me. Since the moment they said it, it was very encouraging, actually, because Rude Jude was really trying to get them to talk mad shit about ICP. He was like, they fucked you, right? Like, they were trying to take away your money. They were trying to do this. They were trying to do that. And it wasn't Jamie Madrox, and I apologize for not knowing who the other gentleman is. But he goes, look, man, 
They can never take away our vision and our path and where we're going. All they can do is distract us. And I was like, that's dope. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, you're never going to stop us getting from where we're going to go. You can only distract us on our way there. Wow. There you go. All right. That's right. Distract all you want. Google Maps is just going to recalculate, recalculate. It's going to get you on that route. It's going to get you there, baby. Oh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. <laughs> uh, Jenny, we got a comment from Matt Murphy over here. Oh, yeah. We're still doing this tweet. And I was so, <laughs> I was wrapped up in the, <laughs> all you can do is distract me from who's tweeting. <laughs> never take me out of it. <laughs> all right. Matt Murphy, thank you for keeping me on task, guys. I do appreciate it. Uh, I probably would have liked this album more than I did if it didn't give me an odd feeling. <laughs> like I couldn't get it out of my head that it was some guy in a trench coat and a fedora who knows who owns every horror movie and director's cut known to man singing about killing a girl because she rejected him. Kind of has that vibe to me, especially because one of y'all said something about a trench coat in the episode. Hard to remember specifics. I listened the minute the app came out and slept since then. <laughs> uh, although I did dig the harsher elements, gave me some of it a cold chamber static X vibe in the harsh vocals. Too bad this album is a cheese factory. True, true. True, true. Uh, Elric. Uh, said it's hard to tell from the hindsight cachet of the internet, but this band was crazy hyped up, uh, crazy hyped up for a good couple of months in Revolver and Blistering, and then they just kind of disappeared. I think at this point in time, their style just wasn't hitting anymore, and they couldn't last. A couple decent tracks on here, but I can see why it's not as talked about. Timothy John Henderson says, so I dusted off my old magnifying glass and did some detective work. Spotify, I feel personally called out, by the way, Timothy, (laughs) which is fair. Uh, Spotify has the release date listed as June 2nd, 2002, specifically. Okay. All right. There's the truth. All right. right, Look, (laughs) I'm willing to do an extremely limited amount of looking around for things for Lollipop Plus Kill. (laughs) <laughs> hey, your your level of effort far exceeded mine. Okay, so. look, we we looked at two sites, if and neither of them could agree. At that point, I mean, this is I mean, here's the thing, this is what Spotify says. I haven't heard from the Lollipop Lust Guild. Yeah, I um, guess yeah. this is a blank that will be filled in by the annals of time. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. We'll uh there. yeah we'll figure it out uh lars said i love to read the wiki pages of small bands like this with completely unnecessary and inflated info and accolades and then he included uh, a segment which, which said in 2000 lollipop Lustkill self-released their full-length debut motel murder madness which catapulted them into the top 10 of mp3.com and he underlined catapulted. Ah, <laughs> oh, the heady days of mp3.com ah uh, uh, yes the halcyon days Really, truly. That's when your power starts to corrupt you. (laughs) In the top 10 of mp3.com. You're just facepalming people. I'm on mp3.com. Talk to the hand. Which is something people said in the 2000s. That's right. Don't go more than 30 seconds without somebody just putting their mouth on your dick. and It's just Mm -hmm. a wild time. Over on Twitter. (laughs) No offense as I'm having a moment right now. I know every song on this Lollipop Let's Kill album, but I have no memory of actually ever hearing this album. 
I assume I had to hear it multiple times at some point in my life because this album isn't something that you remember after only one spin. The only explanation I can think of is there was this kid in middle school who sold his CDs for drug money, and he sold me quite a few albums that have made it into the canon. I hope he's doing well, but eh, he's probably not. <laughs> you never good, know. Good dose of reality. You never right. know. Absolutely. Uh, Cole said, listening now with black electrical tape and all the approved slash creepy spots on my body, hashtag get off Jenny's balls, hashtag watch out for that pre-chorus, hashtag thought gardens are overrated, hashtag the serial killer wannabe in the cubicle next door, hashtag knee deep in trying too hard. All right. Luis says, Mr. Loudrocks didn't get his graphic novel, but guess who got one? P.O.D. And then he sent us uh, some photos of a P.O.D. graphic novel called The Nexus. It looks very graphic novel-y. It says the fate of the world rests on P.O.D. <laughs> Which, honestly, I would be fine with. Yeah. <laughs> they, they seem, um, like, capable. Yeah. <laughs> they do they seem do. capable. Like, if they're... You could throw a whole lot of names my direction. I'd be like, I don't know if I want the fate of the world. P.O.D., I'd figure it out. Yeah, I think so. I did look this uh, this uh, comic book up on eBay. Uh, readily available. Not too expensive. Almost pulled the trigger on it. Maybe one day. The Hunan Beef Box over on Twitter says, I don't want to violate any regional content laws here, but when these cats came on stage, the strategy was to make your way over to the Wired Frog's Killer Instinct or Carnival Cabinet and wait till they broke out the De- Depeche Mode cover. Too goth rock for me. Man. Wired Frog. Wow. Wired Frog reference. Oh, yeah. That is uh, for locals only. That's regional AF. Mm -hmm. Although, who hasn't killed some time at an old Killer Instinct cabinet, man? Combo breaker. Love (laughs) Killer Instinct. I spent a whole middle school spring break just playing that game for a week. Uh, all right. And then, uh, we got a nice shout out, nice yeah. shout out from the We Dig Music Podcast. They said, if you're ever into bands like Korn, Slipknot, Limp Bizkit, et cetera, then Roach Coach Pod is brilliant. Each up, they listen to an album to decide if it belongs in the new metal canon. Uh, yeah. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank, Thank you. you. That is it for who's tweeting. Keep on tweeting, Facebook and Instagram. Send us an email, roachcoachpodcast at gmail.com, and you might be featured in who's tweeting. Now it's time for the album of the week. Burn, Piano Island Burn by the Blood Brothers. Jenny, when did this album come out? This album was released specifically on March 18th, 2003. <laughs> March 18th, 2003. 2003. The Come Down. It would be a Come Down record. So Ross, at this point in his career, would be fully done with new metal, not wanting to do it anymore. He's like, I'm done with it. I'm hanging out with the brothers, the Blood Brothers. Jenny, history with the Blood Brothers. Ooh, baby. Do I ever have a history with the Blood Brothers? Um, They... Uh, I heard about them in 2002, maybe 2003, um, I think 2002. They 
had played in a basement of this house that I didn't yet live in, but um, would eventually live in called the Litter Box here. That Now wow. that's, that's incredibly reason. That's uh, regional. Really regional. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but they, this is the kind of music, this like post hardcore type stuff um, that was really popular in my circle of friends. And uh, we watched a, a video of the Blood Brothers before we started recording. And it like really transported me back to basically all, I mean, not all, but many of the bands I was seeing at that time, many of the bands that played in the basement of that house. Um, mm. Yeah, they were super popular in my circle of friends. I had a lot of friends that were in bands that were, we'll say, heavily inspired by them. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I thought that I really liked the Blood Brothers um, when we were choosing these albums. And then I listened to this and we'll talk about it later. But I realized that like I'd I'd I guess. I, I thought I liked a lot of their records, but um, I don't think that was true. I think I only liked their first like full length and not even the whole thing. I don't know. It was a weird journey for me to listen to this and be <laughs> transported back to that time. And I'm sure I'll talk about it way too much as we go forward. But uh, Lauren, history with the Blood Brothers. Uh, so I didn't hear about these guys until their record after this one, Crimes, which came out in 2004. I was working at the mall at the time and hanging out with uh, a bunch of mall mall kids, basically. And they were like, we listened to My Chemical Romance and we listened to Blood Brothers exclusively on a loop. And I knew My Chemical Romance and I heard them and I'm like, oh, I like this. This I can get on board with. But... Anytime I'd hear, here's the thing, this taking it so far back, I did not have like good internet in my house. So I would go to FYE and use their listening station to find out what the Blood Brothers sound, sounded like. And I remember putting it on the Crimes album going, wow, this is a lot. But I was like, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like there might be something there for me. And I kept going back. I eventually did buy that album Crimes and I did buy uh, the one after that one, Young Machetes. And I remember at the time thinking, these guys are pretty killer, but it's it's in like small doses. Um, but now listening to this album, I am sort of reevaluating how much I really loved this band. And I have other things I guess we can get into as we go on. But that that's basically my my main history with the band. Matt Nas, history with the Blood Brothers. Love Rhymes with Hideous Car Wreck is probably their most accessible song, I would say. And it is the one that I heard. Um, and I believe that that is off of Crimes. And, I believe you are right. Yes. And then when I heard Set Fire to the Face on Fire, I was like, oh, I've also heard this. And that's off of Young Machetes. Um, this record I had heard not a note of <laughs> before uh, before this week. And unlike normal albums, I listened to this one, too. Oh yeah. I listened to this record bef- uh, before the show. Normally that is not the case. I let it be a surprise, but I thought for Ross Robinson, I'm going to dig in. I'm going to see why he chose to work with the Blood Brothers. And I think I understand 1000% why he worked with them. I just can't imagine working with them. <laughs> <laughs> uh Jenny, who's in the Blood Brothers? 
Oh, geez. I thought you'd never ask. Uh, in the Blood Brothers, we have... Please hold. Uh, <laughs> look. <laughs> I thought you would never ask. Also, I've been sleeping. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's more or less true. Uh, we've got uh, Jordan Billy on lead vocals guitars that right there should be a big red flag <laughs> jordan billy jord and billy you're two vocalists nope jordan no no jordan nope it's jord to me <laughs> okay jord and billy <laughs> jordan <laughs> and billy johnny whitney <laughs> on vocals keyboards pianos and programming we've got mark uh gadahar i th- yeah. think mm-hmm. on drums and percussion uh and we've got morgan henderson on bass guitar keyboards backing vocals and cody vadolato on guitars percussion and backing vocals if you hear the last name vadolato and you think what like rocky vadolato yeah that's his brother and they were both in waxwing together what yeah so there you go rocky vadolato that's someone i do like Oh, well, there we go. I know. Very important information now that I've woken up. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry that I fell asleep that his name is Jordan Billy. Jordan and Billy. <laughs> I, I heard it as Jord and Billy. Everybody well, I mean, is doing their best. I mean, listen, Jord's a very common name. We know so many people <laughs> in the improv community named Jord. We're like, is it Jord hey, C or Jord D? They won't to keep tell them you their straight. last name. This band has two <laughs> vocalists. And I would not be surprised if one of them was named Jord. I'm sure that's like his nickname. Well, how about Jord, this? The fact that they have four, <laughs> <laughs> they have two lead singers, and their both their names are four first names: Jordan, Billy, and Johnny Whitney. Wow, just interesting. Wow. Uh, genre tags: We've got post-hardcore, screamo, hardcore punk, and one I have never heard before. Sasscore. <laughs> oh, this this does have attitude, baby. Yeah. I've never have you ever heard of Sasscore before, Jenny? I'm not sure if I've ever heard it called Sass. <laughs> um there was there was like a whole like dance night around this time in the Detroit area just called Sass that people would go to and they would play the Blood Brothers sometimes. But they play more stuff like The Faint and like the Rapture and stuff like that. Oh, I could listen to The Faint right now. Can we I do mean, The Faint? <laughs> no, they were not sorry. produced by Ross. Okay, so I think that's everything. Um, I didn't read any. I didn't. I should say I read some reviews, but didn't get in really in depth. With it. But this album was across the board uh, very well reviewed at time of release. Pitchfork nine point one out of ten. Spin Whoa. A minus. Stylus Magazine A. Alternative Press five out of five. Of course, Alternative Press. Yeah, of course. Blender four out of five. Drowned in Sound nine out of ten. Entertainment Weekly, famous lowballers of some classic records, gave it a B. How about mm. that? Yeah, I mean, this was this was the this was the thing then. I mean, this whole like we had a lot of swoopy hair, we've got a lot of bandanas. We've got the tightest jeans that you've ever seen. Yeah. We've got tight t shirts. 
white you belts. Vi- vibrating thin men. Yes. <laughs> You got jittery boys. J- oh, yes. The jitteriest. <laughs> the jitteriest <laughs> boys you can imagine. Yeah. Link a doodle do. These are some <laughs> lanky, jittery boys. Oh, my God. Ugh, it's too All real. Right. I'm being transported back in time. Back in time. Well, let's go to 2003, baby. Let's do it. All right. We've got an opening track called Guitar Me. takes us right into did you have something for this <laughs> um i mean it's it's a song uh-huh. a- and an intro like it doesn't it feels like a complete song not so much as an intro do you agree do you disagree oh yeah this is a whole song yeah yeah but it's short <laughs> it is incredibly short yeah it's like 37 seconds long I just uh, I just wrote in my notes coming in very very hot right away and that the screaming of do you remember us it, every single time it's it it takes you off guard you're like oh okay this is what I'm in for to sound like an extremely old man this is what I'm in for oh oh should we talk about that now that I've never felt older in my life than listening <laughs> to this record my joints done turn to dust. While listening to this album. What's song number two? Song number two is called Fucking's Greatest Hits. Great title. Truly a great title. Here's the funny thing about this album is more than just about any other album that we've ever done on the show. I feel like these guys could only perform these songs in the extreme radius of when they made it because anything out of that, you're too old. It's absurd. Do you know what I mean? Like this music is like literally made like for like we're all too old. Like that's the thing. Yeah. Right off the bat. We're way too old for this. And it it's just uh, it's so specific to them and the fact that they they broke up in what 2007, I think. Uh, something right? like that. Yeah. Something and like they that. They got back together 
and uh, done, just, did a couple shows, just right? Just to do some shows. Yeah, and somebody had asked one of the guys, either Jordan or the other one. <laughs> Was it Bobby? <laughs> I've already forgot everybody in the band. Jordan um, Bobby. Jordan. Um, but they asked them, Johnny, they asked them, would you guys do any new music? And they said, absolutely not. We can never we can't make any more new music like it's just impossible and listening to this again i was like oh i get it like you can't recapture this it's you can't make older blood like now we're adults with kids in mortgages blood brothers it's absurd that's insane it just doesn't make sense no this like definitely is a snapshot of a time this is like when you tape 40s to your hands and you're in dirty basement shows and, you know, you're, some dude gets super wasted in a wetsuit and you walk into a room and he's just vomiting on the floor. That's very specific and very much to something that happened. This sounds like a true story. <laughs> it is. Wow. It is. He, it, I've never seen somebody look more miserable than this person. There was a costume party. He was just wearing a wetsuit and he got way too drunk and locked himself in this bedroom that had skeletons spray painted all over the walls. And I opened the door and the light caught him to just the right thing. And he looked so sad. I'm not going to say his name, but for a long time, um, a couple of friends of mine are like, like, how bad do you feel? Are you like this person's name? Peeping in a wetsuit wasted. (laughs) (laughs) I'm choking on my spit. That's what I get. That's what I get. But yeah, I uh, agree with you. Like seeing this, there's a Chromags DVD that was released probably 15 years ago now, something like that. And they're doing like, you know, older material and they're, they're trying to like capture it and like the spirit with which it was intended. But like John Joseph just looked old. And maybe like now probably he was like the age that I am now. But when I was watching it and I was like 20, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, fuck. Like, stop. This music is not meant for long. No, no. It was like. It burns white hot. Yeah. And then it's, it's it disintegrates everything involved with it. I feel like this would be exponentially harder to recreate than oh, yeah. a Cro-Mags like album too. Even though like. I don't know, but yeah, I think I think you're totally right on that. Like this, even I don't know, seeing them do this now would be like a bummer, crippling. Yeah. Um. What's funny is that they um they've all split off to be in different bands um or just left the business completely. But for a while, um, I believe Jordan was in Headwound City which was a band uh, that uh, also was produced by Russ Robinson. And Johnny Whitney formed a group with, one, I believe the drummer, um, Mark, uh, formed a group called Jaguar Love, in which they made basically really thin, rickety, scene kid dance music um, that was the complete opposite of the accolades this album got. It was not embraced. And actually, their second album, uh, Hologram Jams, uh, which I believe got like a 2.6 or something from Pitchfork, 
Uh, Rachel and I listened to that album a bunch because it was, I don't know, it was this one moment where like our tastes collided and we both just really liked it. And uh, yeah, that's kind of this nutty moment. Um, but yeah, this song, more than anything also, it has a true wild abandon about it. The way that it's singing, there's no sense of these are people singing and they're not concerned about their safety. You know, they're throwing their bodies around, they're screaming, their larynx is out, and they don't care. They do not care. And that is what makes it so effective. Because I, I don't think, I think we're kind of beating around this. It's still effective. still works. Yeah, I mean, if, like, you want to listen to this. Right. It works. That's what I'm saying. I, I feel like it's yeah. a very... It's a niche. <laughs> yeah, it's very much a niche. It's very much a niche. All like right. if you if you want this, this might be the best version of this. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But you have to want it. You really have to want it. Mhm. Yeah. 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 All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh up next, we've got the titular track, Burn Piano Island Burn. Wow. Matt, if it's too loud, we're too old. (laughs) You know, while I was, because I did take that listen to this album and I had it, I only did, I did no Cry Scout Challenge. It was only in my car. It was only a car listen. And it made me remember when we went to Rock and Pod. And there was a lot of established rock and roll podcasts. And we told them that we're Roach Coach and we do new metal. And they go, oh, too much. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it just made me feel like, Oh yeah, this is when the music passed me by. <laughs> I I don't know. So I'm listening to this now. I uh, well, obviously <laughs> we're all in this together. We're all listening we're, to it now. We're all throwing each other lifelines. I am now remembering there is like a whole host of bands that I liked that were similar to this, and this was one that uh, pretty much all of my friends were super into. That. I'd be like, oh, yeah, I like the Blood Brothers or whatever. But I was never, like, all in. And I and it's it's the one dude's close to Smooth Boy. Like, the version of a Smooth Boy we get. It's oh, a, the guy. <laughs> yes. That doesn't work for me. Uh, Johnny Whitney. I, yeah. I, the two yeah. vocalist thing is odd. I remember it made for a fun show. Oh, to I imagine them. that these guys are insane live and have a, that it's a great time. Just like I imagine Thunderbolt is an amazing live show 
but I don't know if I'm going to sit down and listen to that album. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I don't know. There's just, yeah. I know it's not supposed to be accessible, but it just feels like prohibitively inaccessible. And that's probably because I'm now revisiting this with my 34 year old ears. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, boys go to bed. (laughs) Take off that goddamn bandana. There's no dust that you need to protect yourself from. (laughs) I mean, yeah. I mean, if you really want to look at it, this is 12 songs of, you know, you know, somebody jumping on the bed, you know, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Um, and the funny thing is, going into the lyrics, and I did, you guys. I've got the uh, CD here. It was a big thrift. One of the most incredible big thrifts I've ever done. Got it at UHF in Royal Oak, Michigan, for a sweet $1.95. Ooh. $1.99. Love that mm. price. That's right. And um, the lyrics are actually very cleanly written out, but they're... At a level of, they don't make any sense, ever. And, of course, on songmeanings.com, everybody's trying to crack this open. And everyone's going insane to the point where people are just typing things like, Skittles are yummy. Like, they're just, their brains are melted. They can't do anything anymore. My favorite comment was from Blazian, who said, I remember like two years ago, Blood Brothers played in San Diego, and me and my friend tried making a synopsis of the song, and I told him how we thought it was about the fall of the government, and etc. And Johnny, the singer, started laughing so hard and was like, no, actually, we just got bored and wrote a lot of random stuff. Ha ha ha. And I said, if that, if that doesn't really encapsulate all this, you've got all these insane lyrics with this crazy imagery going on, and yeah, it doesn't it does on top of everything it's all this racket and it's like what do we mean nothing when do we want it who cares burn it down burn piano island burn and so on that you know this is the thing every song i would hear it there'd be parts i'd be like yeah and then i'd feel like just this this push of like i don't know how much more i can take before the song ends but i never didn't respect him so let's go back to ross because this is Let's a month about Ross. It is. Where do you think he was on this? Because I think he takes a look at this band and he goes, these guys are breaking all the rules. I love rule breakers. I love bands that aren't doing what everybody else is doing. I sure know a band named Limp Biscuit that wasn't paying attention to the rules. A little band named Corn that wasn't paying attention <laughs> to the rules. A little band named Slipknot. No rules there. Except you gotta wear a mask. Except you gotta wear a mask. Um, so I went and actually listened to the album that the Blood Brothers did before this one, which is called Oh no, I take that back. I listened to the one before that. So their first album, which mm-hmm. is called The Adultery is Ripe. Um, which is only 21 minutes long. And it was interesting to listen to that in the context of this one because they are crazier on this one. And this is the record where they've got like a big producer involved. And it's like Russ came in and said, no, 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 you guys, you've got to up the ante. I want you more manic. I want, and here's the thing, the Ross's rules 
you know, r- Matt, what do they run them down again? Ross's, Ross's rules. rules are rewrite. So that's a little bit weird for this band because there's a spontaneity that these songs have that make them ramshackled. But you at know, the for, same yeah. time, mm-hmm. there's a tightness that means it's intentional. I, it's it's chaos meets order on two speeding trains heading towards each other. Let me let me interrupt you real quick with a note I wrote. I said the music is just shy of a car wreck, but manages to hold it together just enough. And they do it on every track. It's like right when everything's about to go off the rails completely and just sound like a bunch of instruments being played without any relation to each other. They they tighten it back up again and hold it together. It's very tenuous. We keep going. Rule number two. Choruses. So this band, I don't know. Their choruses seem non-existent. Sometimes they have them, but you only notice if you sit down and really listen to it. Like You're like, oh, I guess we're repeating this line of insanity about jellyfishes with ball sacks or something. Like, I don't know. I mean. But the third one. <laughs> yes. The third rule is the one that I think carries the day for this band. If you sing it, you better mean it. And there isn't a moment of me that feels like these guys are being ironic or being like hokey about it. Like Mm -hmm. they're in, they're locked in. Like this band means this for better or worse. They're locked in. Yeah, for sure. Can I can I ask for something? Sure. Uh, could we listen to a little bit of the song "Mutiny on the Ark of the Blood Brothers"? Yes. Because that's so that is from the "This Adultery Is Ripe." That's the album that I think I liked the most, and I specifically okay. remember feeling like I like that song, and I just want to hear how that compares to what we're listening to now. Cool. And for everybody playing at home, uh, yes, I screwed up. The name of the band is Lightning Bolt. Not Thunderbolt, the Norwegian metal band. There we go. Okay. It sounds like more of a song. Yeah. It's, it's, it sounds more restrained. It's funny. It's like they got in there with Ross and he was like, do do whatever is the craziest thing you can think to do. I will catch you. I will catch you and hold you <laughs> because I'm the angel. And I made fucking Iowa. Yeah, that too. With Slipknot. <laughs> <laughs> I made Iowa with a broken back. I do remember when this album came out, people being like, talking shit on ross and at the time i didn't i there was very little of me that would pay attention to somebody who produced an album at this point and like what i was listening to i was just straight ahead like 
do I like this or not? But I remember people talking shit on like them making a record with somebody who did a bunch of new metal stuff. With the new metal guy. Yeah. The the label he carries as a cross throughout his life. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. this was recorded at the Indigo Ranch, right? You bet your baby. Oh, uh, yeah. So I, I do remember that vaguely. Um, but I guess we should listen to more of this record. Well, oh, I stand corrected. A- this was not recorded at the Indigo Ranch. No? Where was no, it? No, it was recorded at Standard Electrical Recorders in Venice, California. Oh. So this one... He got out of the ranch for this one. Well, that's on me. Or had the ranch burned down by this point. Mm. Also entirely possible. But hey, wow. who 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 burned the who burned it down? <laughs> Let's move on to the next song. Jet fuel can't <laughs> melt the indigo ranch. <laughs> um every breath is a bomb. Ooh. There's another almost four minutes to go in this song. boy. I just want to give a quick shout out to Nick Fenton. How you liking the episode? Uh, Jenny. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Jenny, what'd you think of Every Breath is a Bomb? Uh, It wasn't for me. I feel like it's one of those things where it's like, you want to know if you can, but you don't try to figure out if you should. What's that quote? No one stopped to ask if we should. Like, Oh, yeah, yeah. I feel like this is definitely... It's... I mean, it, it was really well-reviewed for a reason. I feel mm-hmm. like it, it pushed itself uh, pretty far into a genre that was very popular at the time. It was something that... I could get on board with then, but didn't fully resonate with me. And I think as time has passed, it resonates with me even less. But listening to it now and thinking about what it was like to be at those shows in like 2003, 2002, it was very fun. Uh, So I guess it's like, I don't like this song, but I like the spirit of what I think this song is getting at. Okay. That is to say the lyrics to this song are insanely bad. (laughs) 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 Can you inject love's tender touch back into the gang bang? Can you knit the stiletto back into the blood stain? Like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's a lot. It lot. is a lot. It Lauren, is a what lot. What do you think? Uh, well, the funny thing I got out of this one is how it 
uh, it shows this weird connection to this, this sort of uh, post-hardcore screamo stuff to the proggy stuff of like a Mars Volta. Like I could sort of see the like the jump of how you could have all these crazy instruments and if you wanted to get proggy, you just need to add some space into it and still have all the other things that could give you a Mars Volta or something like that. Um, songmeanings.com, of course, you know, right away, people say this is their favorite Bold Brothers song. They love it. What does it mean? Who knows? Femmes of Russia said that Johnny said in an interview that Every Breath is a Bomb is about Jordan's grandma's death and kind of deals with modern medicine's fetish with keeping human beings alive after they are vegetables or so fucked up that they aren't really living. And if you dig deep in there, sure. Why not? Who am I to say no? Every breath is a bomb. Yeah. Might be onto something there. Every single one of these song titles reminds me of like a painful screen name or live journal entry that I made. <laughs> this absolutely has live journal <laughs> written all over it. Oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> oh, yeah, baby. I believe when you signed up for live journal, they mailed you a copy of this album, right? They're like, Did you get a new live journal account? Here's some Blood Brothers for you. Right. Have you added your friends on Friendster? Because that's where we are right now. Mm. Oh, boy. This album feels like jazz. Ah. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, Matt. Hey. Whoa. But, but you know, like, not jazz that you want to listen to. <laughs> the jazz that people keep telling you is great. That you're like, ah, I guess I just am an idiot and I don't get it. Like, yeah. This album feels yeah. exactly <laughs> like, oh, I guess you're the coolest guys in the room because you love this, and I am a loser because I don't get this. Oh, Matt, <laughs> you're so right. There is a guy who is like a big music guy in Detroit who I still see around who is such a fucking cheese dick who would always make he was just the kind of guy who like he was he's like friends with like greg dooley and like he like oh, is gosh. always like he will make you feel bad about like what you like um but so he, he listens to the i show remember then, him course. being oh yeah oh, he's a big I'm fan sure, i'm sure yeah but he he was like very i met him because of like the people that I hung out with who were very into the Flood Brothers and stuff. Like it was like very like adjacent crowds, and he had like this huge like jazz record collection. Uh. And he'd always be like, "Ah, oh, this is like free jazz," and like, uh, uh, uh. and uh, and he'd always like be like having sex with these like really like beautiful awesome women, and they'd always all feel bad. And be like, why doesn't he like me? And I'm like. This guy sucks so much. Like, <laughs> holy shit. He's not even attractive and he sucks. Like, he just has a lot of jazz records and is friends with one salty guy that made some good records. Stop fucking this guy. Hey, do hey. yourself a favor. <laughs> it's like, I want to get a skywriter and just be like, <laughs> quit fucking this guy. It's, it's, the, uh, it's the employees only door. 
a guy like that is the employee's only door where it's like there is nothing behind there of interest, but everybody wants to go in there. It's like, what's behind that door? What's behind? It's I guess it, I can't go in there. It's employees only. Maybe he Just, had like a few dicks or something. I don't know. <laughs> a few dicks? Maybe it was like uh, you could like spin them around and choose the one. That is best for you. Uh, please spin my roulette wheel of cock yeah. to see which one I pleasure you with this yeah. evening. He has like a multi-tool down there or something. I don't know. Anyway, that's what this reminds me of. Wow. Well, there we go. Yeah. Very I think we're ready. stuff here. I think we're ready for the next one. I think you're right. Ambulance versus ambulance. don't mind this song yeah i like it this feels one. like a song yeah <laughs> uh i wrote in my notes that it's vivid and pretty straight ahead <laughs> uh pretty straight ahead rocker for these guys seems to be about a man choosing work over family uh it feels very personal very raw but i think you could say that about every single song in this album um or at least not personal but definitely raw um and they're definitely i could see where this slots them in where they could be considered peers in a scene with like bands like Glassjaw and at the drive-in, but they're just, they're not as muscular and there's nothing, there's nothing bro-y about this. Do you know what I no. mean? And that is, I think the most stark thing is that Ross went from a very bro heavy genre to, you know, still making aggressive music, but such an opposite way. These guys are these guys are still bros. You th- oh, okay? They're bros in skinny jeans and bandanas. It's just a different type of bro because I would say that the only quote unquote broy band I don't know. Look at Ross's lineup, right? Is Corn broy? I would say three fourths of them are. You would say Fe- three fourths of Corn is broy. Let me run you down, David. I think so. Okay, David. Fieldy, Fieldy, Fieldy. Is Fieldy a bro? I would say Fieldy's a bro. Fieldy huh. seems like a bro. I would say I Monkey like that we're back. making right in the middle of this <laughs> Blood Brothers episode. We're, we're dropping we're... some new metal fucking bombs about uh, how bro It's like when you break up with someone that you think you're sick of and you're just like, I miss you. <laughs> you had me. Oh, oh. I don't know why I want to talk about new metal. Uh, I, here's what happened, Matt. We've had you do Blood Brothers, and you're like, get me some dread stat. Stat. <laughs> There's no drops in this. There are no drops. Um, yes, I'd say those three. I don't think Head is Limp bro-y. Biscuit, we, okay. F- uh, Fred okay. is bro Fred is bro I think you'd probably say Sam is probably bro DJ Lethal. 
Broy. Broy. And I'm not saying this is disparage anybody. Um, yeah, just those three. And then um I gotta believe, you know, I haven't seen them without their masks on, but I gotta believe there's at least three to four guys in Slipknot who are broing. Yeah. Just seems just seems likely. Anyway. But the thing that's different than because I sometimes associate broy with jockey, which is like you can be a bro and not be a bully. Right. Like oh a, yeah. Like a jock in my mind. It's kind of the classic revenge of the nerds jock that's gonna hold your head into a toilet. Yeah. Like that's yeah. not necessarily broy behavior. No. I when I you say jock, my first thought comes to someone who walks around holding the ball or instrument of their sport when they are nowhere near a playing field. That is like ultimate jockey. I lived with some people in college who would walk around with lacrosse sticks. There was not even a <laughs> lacrosse field at my college. Okay. That's very weird. Yeah. They just walk around just spinning it. Look, I got to cradle this, bro. <laughs> you, you believe never know. it. Someone might yeah. throw a beer. You got to catch it. So <laughs> the, I, I can see what you're saying now that the Blood Brothers are a different type of bro, but they are still tortured, which is. Ross's favorite thing in the whole wide world, mm-hmm. according to yes. his his work. <laughs> according to his work. We're just basing it off of that. Uh, Jenny, songmeanings.com, of course, a treasure trove. Did you have any favorite comments? I did not read the comments on my website for this. Okay. So. I got one for you. All right. Let's have it. It's from Electric Children. They said, this song is the one that got me hooked on the Blood Brothers. Pure genius whoa they do not get on the list (laughs) whoa we got a hard veto from matt matt is bringing the hard veto wow he's got scooter veto (laughs) i got blood brothers veto matt is vetoing the blood brothers from the genius list wow okay jenny jenny do you have i mean he's been they've been vetoed i mean but any do you what do you think about this concept uh not not my genius okay but uh not the most ridiculous genius declaration i've ever heard i would agree with that i think that they're closer to genius than scooter (laughs) 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 that's my heavy bias uh all right i think we're ready for the next one cool up next we've got usa nails Jenny, thoughts on USA Nails? Uh, it was an interesting...
interesting song. I think it's kind of a cool song. Uh, the what I'm gonna lump into the category of smooth boys. That those vocals are just too much for me. It this this whole thing feels like it's trying really hard. And there's something about it that I don't like that much, but it kind of makes me think of the other song, like the other bands that I think are kind of like adjacent to this kind of stuff that I really liked. It was like Drive Like Jehu and like J.R. Ewing, uh, McCluskey, I guess, tangentially related, though mm, not yeah, yeah, quite the like, same. Yeah. Those felt a lot less like try hard to me. This feels very. It might just it might be the sass of it that I don't like. It's very sassy. It's there, very sassy. I have a hard time not imagining the lead singer with the microphone up and his hand on his hip, just doing that kind of Mick Jagger wiggle mm-hmm. while he's singing these songs. Just like, you know, going for it. Yeah. I feel like these songs in this band has an energy that does not match my energy. I yeah. have never felt shrill and sassy and like, ah. it's, it, they sound like, I, I don't know. It's like if the Vlasic Pickle Stork was like in a band that was heavy, this is what I would imagine it would sound like. <laughs> And I don't expect that to make sense to any person in the whole world other but than me. It's another classic Roach Coach reference to the Vlasic Stork. Vlasic Stork. <laughs> Look, very. I probably am the one that brings him up all the uh, time. That crunch. Yeah, you know, made an impression on me. So I got a question. Yeah. Can we do a little time and place on this? So 2003, New Metal is dead. For Dying. Like, Dying. Well, I, here's we, the thing. We you, call it you, the come down. We call it the come down, but you still have bands dropping records. What is this? March of 2003. So we haven't we haven't yet received Limp Biscuit. Results may vary. Um, POD haven't released their follow up to Satellite yet. Um, Stained are about to drop 14 Shades of Grey that summer. So this is like. What if anything? This is sort of setting up for the downfall. Like they, all those guys are going to follow this, and it's gonna. It, you either are going to match this level of intensity and insanity, or you're going to seem like dinosaurs. Well, I guess so because also this year, two thousand three, we're looking at Evanescence Fallen. Nope. So that's coming. Okay. I needed I needed some context for time and place because, but everything's starting to fall apart, right? Like we're fracturing, bad. Like how far away are we from the strokes? Well, strokes the already strokes are already happening at this point. Yeah. Two thousand three. We're just waiting for we're waiting for the second stroke ra- stroke record to drop in the fall of two thousand three. Um, yes, yeah, so we're we're in the thick of that whole the band. Uh, era the white stripes the hives the vines mm-hmm. they've always snuck their way in there see that's the where vines. the white belts come in 
That this, is absolutely where the white belt This wasn't in. so much white belt. No. This was several belts. Oh, okay. This was a lot of belts, but I don't think these belts were white. Because I'm trying to figure it out. Because, like, metalcore starts to make itself known around this time, right? 2003? Uh, uh, I think that's... 2005. Yeah, 2005 is what I think of that. That's when it started to be on my radar more. Okay. So the seeds for metalcore are being planted now. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're going to have guys singing sort of like this, but in much more digestible ways and with much more conventional uh song structure i'm I'm trying to think of a band i saw recently in like a random youtube recommendation of like songs for siren or something and the guy was like singing in this very high voice just like this but it was in a completely pop conventional way um yeah because yeah Cause, it, yeah because my chemical romance is 2004 correct then you're gonna so that's gonna start happening but then that brings you up into the fallout boy panic of the disco era your but, pop punk meets screamo meets metalcore. Because oh. I'm kind of trying to figure out like where is where is this band fit right? They're called post hardcore, which is a really weird name anyway. Yeah, I don't know many hardcore bands anyway, and I definitely don't know any hardcore bands from 2003. This is post hardcore in the sense that uh, I think a lot of these bands came from. People who listen to hardcore, meaning like Converge and Botch, not hard. Well, and then, you know, you might say that those come from things that are more along the lines of like Cro-Mags or whatever. And then a lot of the people that were in bands like this, a lot of people that were into this type of genre uh, move on to being into things like Red Sparrows and Pelican and like a lot of like instrumental heavy stuff. So, yeah, because also Blood Brothers appeals to an indie crowd that a lot of the other bands that I mentioned, your My Chemical Romance, your, you know, that these other do not do, do not because Blood Brothers were getting reviewed by Pitchfork just as to use them as an example all the way to the end. And every time Blood Brothers would like have a side project or have a reunion, you know, the blogs would pick that type of type of stuff up. But that's not who you know, cares about like bring me the horizon and bands like that, you know, who are considered, you know, too far removed from that. Or they're not, I mean, blood brothers, for whatever reason, they have the cool, like hip signifier added to them. This is definitely too hip for, (laughs) I don't think you go from blood brothers to metalcore. No, I don't either. But, but it was just like, they hold such a weird place, I guess. For me, yeah, as somebody mm-hmm. who like up until the last couple of weeks didn't even really know about this band or really know about the scene that they were because this seems so seen. Oh yeah, this seems yeah. so yeah. seen, kid. This feels so much cooler than I am. You know what I mean? Like this uh-huh. would be the band that. <laughs> oh, you don't like the Blood Brothers? Ugh. You know, like, that's what this band feels like to me. Yeah, I think that's about right. I mean, I definitely... This is not populist music. No. Which is so interesting to think about Ross Robinson producing this band, who's produced some of the most populist... But has he? Um, I mean, 
I, I mean, I feel but like... But has he? But has he? <laughs> the great question. Roscoe well, Pickle trained us. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I mean, the first two Korn albums uh, have their populist moments. Um, I mean, let's go back to it. Limp Bizkit, Faith. I mean, he managed... I mean, that that's a pretty populist moment, mm-hmm. I would say. Surfacing? What's more populist than that? All right, I'm getting off track here. <laughs> yeah, Iowa, uh, start to finish. <laughs> start to finish, people equal shit. Who, grandma doesn't want to hear that. I will just mention I did write that this song, USA Nails, was a crusher, and that it seems like this is one of the rare instances where the vocals are so over the top and so overpowering that it makes the song actually seem crazier than it actually is because I listened, when I listened to this on my third listen and I just focused on the music and not on his vocals, I was like, oh, this isn't actually that crazier, that much crazier than a lot of other bands, but these vocals on top of it make it seem like a supernova. 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 Wow. All right. Let's keep going here. Up next, we have Cecilia and the Silhouette Saloon. So it's interesting, but every single one of these songs, the first 15 seconds, I'm like, these guys rule. These guys are these guys are doing it. These guys, who's better than the Blood Brothers? But then you're like, how long is this song? Oh, almost five minutes long? Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> like, yes. it's, yes. I don't know. It's yes. just, you're, yeah. you're, you're in for the first 15 seconds, but then you're just like, I can't, that's why Guitar Me, 39 seconds long, perfect. They nailed it, <laughs> you know? And uh, yeah, you just, you sort of just, yeah. you got to buckle up. When um, their first album yeah. is 21 minutes, that's like, yeah. Yeah. That's about as long as I can handle this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, f- I definitely feel like these songs are too long well the thing is they don't do the they don't do the same thing for four and a half minutes necessarily but it's it's you know it's it's chaos the whole way through but it is one of those things where you're just like it's it's a lot of chaos in this theme and what's funny is this one actually gave me an emo goth vibe to it especially in the lyrics which seem to be constantly entwining sex and death i wrote some uh wrote some lyrics down for y'all uh sex equals noise nest tv equals fuck test murder equals love's fate Mm. those are some jazz lyrics baby (laughs) (laughs) who hasn't who hasn't thought of their skull and been like this noise nest just (laughs) (laughs) what a noise nest what a noise nest jenny what would you think of cecilia and the silhouette saloon 
Um, I like it. I I liked the song. I thought. Uh, I don't know. I I agree that the songs are longer than I would like them to be. Um, but I don't know. I I feel like they're doing it. I might not like what they're doing, but they're definitely doing they're it. They're definitely doing it. They're doing it. All right. Up next, we've got six nightmares at the pinball masquerade. <laughs> These titles are killing me. Do we get it? <laughs> Matt gets it. Matt gets Matt, it. What's going on? Talk to me, buddy. You know, um, it's rare that I bring something like this up, <laughs> but um, there's a grindcore band called Anal Cunt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, that was always at the record store in the used bin. Like, no matter what, there was an Anal Cunt album in the used bin. And the first time we pulled it in, we pulled it out because what we would do when we closed the store or during the store when it was like a really, really slow time is try to find the worst used album that you possibly can and then put it on the overhead to make everybody else go, no, Mm -hmm. that was the game that we played. I don't know if that's a popular game, but it was popular with us. Yeah, we played that game. (laughs) It's a great game. It's a fun game. And when we put in uh, AC for the first time, none of us were ready for that. And then we would, and there was like 45 to 50 tracks per CD, if you don't know the work, because they're all like a minute or less long. And they all sound the same. It's all... And we would just laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. But eventually we would be like, please take this off. Is this really it? Is this all they do? And that's what the Blood Brothers do to me, where it's just like, oh, cool. This sounds like a... Stop. Stop. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Do I need two singers? No, I don't. Wow. So that's the first time the Blood Brothers, I think, have ever been compared to Anal Cunt. But it would be one of those things where I put on and we would laugh at this and be like, oh, my God, this is very pretentious. And then hear the next song and be like, oh, God, listen to these idiots. And then be like, oh, no. Oh, no, I'm getting sad. This is what they do. I'm sad right now, guys. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, my main note was, does every song on this album reference throat slitting? Yeah. <laughs> because it does come up a lot. Well, that's why they wear bandanas around their necks. That's right. Protect them throats. Protect your neck. Yeah, protect um, your neck. Blood yeah, brothers. protect your neck. Famous <laughs> Blood Brothers quote. <laughs> that old Blood Brothers quote. <laughs> um, what's funny is that this one song, and we didn't get to it, uh, Johnny Whitney's voice veers into almost Zach De La Roca space. And with the references to millionaires and high status, this feels almost like it may be some sort of protest song. Um, but I didn't quite uh, get all that. I mean, the Six Nightmares at the Pinball Masquerade definitely sounds like it could be a Panic at the Disco song. 
that's basically all I have in this one. I will say, though, in reference to Anal Cunt, the only song of theirs uh, that I remember from college was their 311 song called 311 Sucks, um, which we are recording this on 311 Day. And uh, I that one I remember being played a lot. I mean, you could play it a lot. It's only like 30 seconds long. Um, but I believe that whole song was somebody basically mouthing the, the, um, the guitar melody of Down. <laughs> like I think they were they were like three eleven sucks and that's the whole song, and I remember we all got a great big chuckle out of that. So for a long time I thought they just made fun of other bands. I thought that was their whole deal. Wow, oh, classic anal cunt, right? Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. All right. Up next we've got the salesman, Denver Max. does go into something right if you go to 330 you get some crunchy grind guitars That appeals to me on a very base level, like that whole like creaking guitar. That just sounds cool as shit. So I'm on board for that. Yeah, I like the crunchiness uh, of that moment. I just think that at this point, I'm like, okay, okay, go home, boys. <laughs> All right, these brothers, they need to they need to start getting their footy pajamas on, getting their butts up to bed. <laughs> yeah, you better get your butt to bed. <laughs> I'm wondering though, like if there was pressure to make this album longer. Cuz March on Electric Children, which was the album that came out after this, comes in at a cool 24:38. So, I feel like Or before, before, before you mean before. Yeah. Oh, did I say after? Yeah, you said after. Wow, I'm a real fuck up. <laughs> I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> but, but what I'm trying to say is that the uh, full-length albums that came out, full-length, full-length, guys, guys, you're, you're, full, you're doing it. <sighs> All right, I'm going to gather myself. The full-length albums that came out before this, the This Adultery is Right, March on Electric Children, they're all 20, 25 minutes. That feels like the exact right length for a record like this for a record from them i should say mm-hmm. this i'm not going to spoil it but it's longer mm-hmm. than that yeah so i'm wondering if there was some pressure 
to make this much longer than what felt like a normal album length for them. Now, what's interesting, this is not their longest album. Their last album, Young Machetes, clocks in at 50 minutes. And that record, you feel the length. Like, you're just like, why is there a 50-minute Blood Brothers record? That's crazy. Um, The record after this one, Crimes, is 39 minutes long. Um, which is uh, a little more reasonable, but even then, I, I mean, that's a record I think I've listened to front to back, maybe the day I bought it, and that's about it. Like it's that you know, once again, yeah, it's yeah, twenty two minutes. That's a right about right. I do want to mention, content wise, this song seems to be about a traveling salesman who kidnaps a fifteen year old girl, and his name is Denver Max. Um, and according to songmeanings.com, it is based on a poem or slash short story. I didn't go any further. Some people call it a short story. Some people call it a poem by Joyce Carol Oates. So we got ourselves some readers. Thank God. Thank God. All right. Up next, we've got a song called I Know Where the Canaries and the Crows Go. <laughs> This is music for a screaming dad. Like, turn it down. What are you listening to? (laughs) Someone had to make it. I, I, I... Oh, God. You know, when I was a kid, I, there were songs that actually were songs. I don't know what this is. Get out of my room, Dad. Dad, leave us alone. We're the Blood Brothers. What is the name of this song? It's called I Know Where the Canaries and Crows Go. Jesus Christ! When I was a kid, we had songs that had real meanings, like spells like Teen Spirit. Dad. What? Leave. Leave us alone. Bury yourself in the backyard. Yeah. Oh, our next time should be called Bury Dad in the Backyard. Yeah. And I'm burn not the house cool down. with this. Dad. Yeah, Dad. You're not cool. You're not cool at all, Dad. With anything, including the world. You're not cool. Well, I know where the canaries and the crows go. Do you, Dad? Detention! Uh, You're both grounded! No. And that is the story of how this song was written. Wow. Oh, okay. That makes sense. It's like I was there. Yeah. Uh, I wrote in my notes, more chaos. And I noticed that through all of this, they still managed to work in some whoa-oh-ohs, which just feels like a joke and um but i also wrote hormone music which i wasn't sure why i wrote that but i get it now <laughs> it's like yeah, music yes it's like for people this is for like teens who are like i don't know what my body's doing right now i don't know what's happening this song sounds like how i feel inside yeah how respectful of our time is this album uh this album comes in at forty-seven, forty-six. So we're basically tripling, or no. We're doubling. Double. Okay. 
I didn't come here to do math. <laughs> but I did come here to listen to the next song. <laughs> uh, it's called God Bless You, Bloodthirsty Zeppelins. I've never felt closer to getting kicked out of mass house. And then they ruined it, but had a real good wiggle pit going on there for a minute. That's the problem. That's what I hate. <laughs> the like wi- the wiggle pit. Yeah, I feel like it's I'm my toxic masculinity. It's like just fucking go for go it, go for it, dude. Get in the fucking pit. Don't fucking wiggle, right, pussy? <laughs> I feel like that. I love this so much. I think that's how I feel. And I'm not proud of it, but I just want to be honest. That's on me. Just fucking go, bro. Yeah. Like, I feel like I could beat up every single person who listens to this band. <laughs> and I don't know why I feel like I need to now participate. Like, toxic masculinity is not helping me out. No one respects me at work, you know? Like, here I am, ready to jump in and throw bows. For what? It's not helping me. Uh, I don't know. Put on Iowa, start to finish. Let's do this. (laughs) It's a lot to unpack. It's a lot to unpack. Mm. Oh, man. Um, I did go through the the lyrics like a goddamn fool. And uh, it seems like a mix of Wake Up Sheeple with some anti-government screed and then some also talk about infidelity because why not um de rigueur. you know um i mean here's here's a here's a lyric for you and you can do with this lyric what you will keep it throw it away i'm just gonna give it to you unfortunately this marilyn monroe is a secret zeppelin set on a crash course with your cum shot museum with the blowjob bunny mansion mm-hmm mm-hmm that is the type of lyric that makes all of us go mm-hmm, and makes yep. a 13 year old boy go blood brothers fucking rule again this is a live journal album oh yeah <clears throat> there was one dude i knew i knew who um i was he sucked but i was probably extra special mean to him uh-huh. But he was really into the Blood Brothers, and he used to post poetry on Live Journal, and it sounded very much like what you just said. And I used to get so pissed, be like, "Fuck this guy, he's a fucking tool." And then, which I mean, like you you shouldn't say that or be that way. But you know, it was two thousand three, um, and I found out that he was like copying and pasting like lyrics from really obscure like old bands like this oh wow and so instead of being like 
not saying anything, which is probably what you should do because the dude is just trying to oh, get some no, rich. No, no, I'm sorry. You have a whistle and you need to oh, blow it. Did I blow that whistle? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that whistle was blown. Hey, saw those lyrics you had from that cursive record. Oh, all over the comments of every single one of his things, I was like posting like, hey, like, I this is where you got it and like posting it was really mean. This is taking me back to a time that I was a worse person. Not that I'm like great now, but I'm like a lot. I think I'm I'm probably coming from a place of more kindness. But at this time, mm. I was like, I'll fucking call you out. I'll fucking tell you. I call it like I see it. <laughs> Uh, how many more of these do we have to go last last song baby fucking god i'm sick of revisiting my like 20 year old self okay oh it's called the shame i'm with it it's super appropriate let's go there So they take us out on, I guess, what would be considered a Blood Brothers slow boy. But this has my favorite lyric of the whole album. Everything is going to be just awful when we're around. Which is the kind of self-deprecation that I expect from this kind of band. And... uh, I don't know. It's it, it's it. It was yeah. It's a funny line to me because clearly it was written in jest. Is it self-deprecation or is it glorifying being terrible and like leaning into it? You know, leaning like like you know that we're we're making a a, a very abrasive sound that not everybody's gonna like, and we're acknowledging that, acknowledging our divisiveness. No, I mean more like. I feel like there's an attitude among people sometimes, especially when they're like really cool. They're just like, yeah, I'm fucking terrible. Okay. I'm a piece of shit. And they just like lean into it and do shitty stuff. And they're just like, yeah, it's It's an excuse. Yeah. It's like, I'm also hardcore projecting people (laughs) I knew who were into this shit who behaved that way. So I don't know. You mm. might be right, but I am like I have mm. like a fucking top ten most wanted list of people who did that and were into this kind of shit, and I'm on it. So, well, there, there's another lyric in it. Um, How many chords till this song vomits out real love? How many feathers to pluck naked the soiled dove? How many whores till you send away for that trophy? And how many punches till you give yourself away for free? 
Oh, all right. Did that did that guy steal those lines? I don't know. On his live journal? I'm not sure. Close. I'm emotionally drained. This is a a tough one. Uh, but I think we did a good job. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is the new section of the podcast oh, where no. we a producer spotlight. Yeah, we rate ourselves. <laughs> I think. I think all things considered, we did a great job. But when I do think about Ross wanting to work with a band, this band is totally in his wheelhouse. A bunch of a bunch of guys, all energy, uncontrolled, unbridled, ready to be unleashed, just need a mentor, a father figure, a whatever it may be to hone them and point them in a direction of of their own making to loose them upon the world uh, it totally makes sense that he produced this record mm-hmm. there and isn't what, a ton yeah. of new metal tie-in other than these guys and jonathan davis aren't as far away from each other as i think some might think yeah I'm sure if you talk to the Blood Brothers, they would be like, we were made fun of in high school mm-hmm. and nobody got what we were doing. And they probably listened to Corn in high school or like middle school. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. There's. They're the same age as us. So thereabouts. So, yeah, I imagine that they, yeah, they had to have. The A same lot of time period. the people I know who are into this stuff at this time would like heavily make fun of new metal, but now like will very readily admit that they were into new metal and stuff like that. It's, it's not so far off. And like, I don't like this album listening to it now. And I, and I didn't like this album then because I, I think I was just like, they sold out or something that like, I was just impossible. Oh, I was just being a total fuck. As you, if you have heard any story I've told, I was being a total piece of shit at this time. Just, just you were seen kidding and up. Oh, I guess I was, but I like wasn't cool. I don't know. We'll break down the complexities of my life in 2003. But so what I will say about this record though, I think when you consider like that, we just came off of this whole era of like new metal and stuff that was heavy in that way being very popular. Now like we're in the come down and we're getting like a lot of butt rock at this time. And then when we like look at like the indie things we have, we have like the strokes and things like that. That's popular. I think the reason that this was like so well received like critically and the reason that like it resonated with people was because it brought an aggression that was like missing and it was if you're just like listening to like normal records as like a normal person like it was very unique it was interesting whether you liked it or not it is a it's i was just thinking it's like shooting banaka in your eyes like (laughs) it's like it's not just a breath of fresh air in terms of the music of the time. It seemed to be having an energy of this might be next. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's unrelenting. It's too much for me. I, I think that they had it right 
going around those 20 mins for the first two records. But I don't know. I can see I can see picking this up and not really knowing what it's all about and being like, holy shit, this is sweet. Now, I didn't enjoy listening to this a bunch of times, <laughs> but I think it's because I'm fucking crusty and old and probably still kind of a dick about music like this that might just be imprinted on me. I don't know. Mm. Lauren? Uh, you know, I wrote that this album is an abrasive journey, but it, I still found it listenable and at times fun. Um, I think it's hooks are buried and I was only able to suss them out while sitting with the liner notes out. Um, and it doesn't matter if you've got headphones on or you're listening in your car, it constantly devolves into chaotic noise and you're just sort of grasping for something to hold on to, which you either look at as a deficiency or as by design. Matt, any other thoughts? I do not regret listening to this. I'm glad I listened to it. I'm glad I saw this. But like so many people have said so many times, including myself, this clearly is not for me. (laughs) And there you have it. The end of week two of the Roach Coach Podcast. Producer Spotlight, Ross Robinson, the Blood Brothers. Not geniuses, not for us, but maybe for you. Mm. Keep on saying hello online. <laughs> Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Send us an email, roachcoachpodcast at gmail.com. We are back next week, week three of this journey with Ross. We're going to make it through it, you guys. All three of us. We chose this theme month. We did. We picked it. We are playing the song we came in with. That's right. Is that the same? I don't. We're the cards. We're we're dancing. You dance the song that they play. You play the card you're dealt. And you sing the song you walked into the room singing. Classic <laughs> phrase that everyone says. All of these classic turns of phrase. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yes, yes. Until next week. Jenny, thank you. Lauren, thank you. Matt, thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.